Welcome to the show, episode number 206 here on the Decoding Success Podcast, and you're rocking with your host, Matt Labrie, joined by another amazing guest who we're introducing in just a little bit, but I want to dive into what we're actually going to be discussing here. There's a lot of value to be taken away from this episode, as always, but our focus here today is helping everyone tap into the power that we all have to harness that power to make better decisions in our lives, to heal physically, to heal mentally, emotionally, spiritually, etc., to grow and more. We all have this power within us. We just have to become mentally fit to be able to tap into it because right now there might be some clutter on top of it. There might be some conditioning on top of it and that's okay. Me personally, I know damn well I have all of that. It's all a work in progress. And here we're going to start doing that work. This is a very deep episode, a very vulnerable episode with an amazing guest, our friend Brandon Epstein, who is a mental fitness trainer to professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and various other high performers. He's also the co-founder of Jump Rope Dudes, an online wellness company with 90 plus million views on YouTube and a global following of over a million people. Brandon has dedicated his life to expanding human consciousness through entrepreneurship and education. He believes everyone deserves to feel good and is working through his businesses and consulting to help people empower themselves to be successful and fulfilled. And that is exactly what Brandon's doing right here on this episode today. So you have a phenomenal opportunity to tap in to greatness once again. Now, with all of that said, I'm going to put out a request at the end of this episode. You might have heard me say this in the past. If not, you're going to hear it at the end of this episode. It's nothing big. We're going to give you the opportunity to be a beacon of light to the people that are in your circle. But without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Brandon Epstein. Brandon, my brother, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you. Excited to decode your success. So thank you for being here, man. Appreciate it, brother. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to... Uh share a little bit about my story and also connect with you, man. Yeah, man, let's do it. So first question, we've recorded over 200 episodes of this podcast. Uh, we've had a unique response to every single one of man. these first questions. So I'm curious, how is Brandon personally defining success? Mm. Am I having fun every day? Mm. Yeah, simple as that. I can have all the money in the world, all the material success all the boxes checked, but if I'm not enjoying my life consistently, I'm losing. Yeah. What, what, what's fun for you? Working on projects I'm highly engaged with is fun for me. Spending time with my family, my daughter, my wife, hanging out with friends. Um, I like doing martial arts. Um, uh, I like to smoke weed in my backyard. <laughs> you know man uh i'm a normal guy you know i like to do a lot of things that most people like to do just spending time in the outdoors hiking um but you know it's always that that mesh for me like that like daily fulfillment comes from that yin and yang of sometimes it's hey i'm really focused on more like career 
projects. And then other times more focused on investing in the relationships and I'm like putting the work on the back burner. So it's that kind of ebb and flow, the yin and yang of, of finding it because too much of anything and it's not fun anymore. Agreed. Agreed. Now I'm curious, what was it in Brandon's life that got you to define success in such a way, right? Like I'm sure there were maybe people or events that helped shape that. Um, you know, I feel like it really came from this, this deep wisdom that I've downloaded, um, especially the last couple of years. It's really become clear to me that what's good for me is going to be good for everyone else. Mm. And knowing that, and so understanding that, I'm constantly just trying to put myself in a space where, you know, the situation set up best for me, because then I'm going to be the happiest. People are going to be able to experience the energy around me. I'm going to be the most productive because I'm going to be wanting to do what I'm doing. And so, as you know, that's kind of like that, that flow I'm always kind of finding. And it all comes back to, okay, checking with myself, my energetic vessel, does it feel good to be me? Am I having fun right now? Okay, let's keep flowing. Otherwise, let's let's re-examine what, what we want to do. So I'm curious. Now, this is going to get deep real quick. I actually just got the chills. First and foremost, how are you doing that check-in? Sure, man. So my background is actually very much in like alternative medicine and um, energy training. Um, and so I'm checking in literally with my chakras. I'm going through and running through all of them. And I can really feel, you know, the work I do with my one-on-one clients is like, this is what I do for them. And of course, so it all starts with me because my vessel has to be clean. So my check-in is um, feeling into what I'm doing or an outcome I want to create and running through the chakras all the way and making sure there's no energy blockages. And, you know, this isn't something that fits in with the rational mind because the experience is it's visceral and it goes beyond rational explanation it's um just a feeling of clear and cleanse and energy is flowing and and it's easy for me to identify now if there's a block somewhere in the chakras i go right in there and i discover what it is and then we go from there and sometimes it's like environmental sometimes it's just things i need to deal with personally right i respect that now i'm curious what's your personal take or experience or opinion on individuals that do that check-in know something's wrong don't tend to it and lie they're they're the i'm good people right yeah. like i i've experienced i've been that you ask me hey matt how are you i'm good man i'm good mm-hmm. but I'm, am i really good mm-hmm. right yeah i mean i think we've, we've all been there and a lot of the highest achievers will go right there they're like no i'm good i'm good and really, maybe they set up their life to where, you know, they can justify their actions by saying, I'm good, because people be like, well, look, he's got like a big house and, you know, seems to be doing well financially, but he's actually not doing what's best for him or her mm-hmm. personally. And so I, what I find is those people, they actually don't, they can't really even feel it into their body because if they did, they wouldn't be able to live with it. It's more so they're so in their head and they're so rational that they know they don't feel good. They know something's not right. But a lot of times, like if people have the solutions to deal with it, they would. It's just that like, it just seems like a dark corner that they don't want to shine a flashlight in. And even if they did, they wouldn't, they feel like they don't have the tools to deal with what might be there. So they just stay in the rational mind, keep running the story, the story, the loop they're on and just suppress, 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 push it down, push it down, push it down. 
And we all know where that goes. Physical ailments, resentment, guilt, shame, all that. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't usually end well. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just like a, a symptom of, of the society that we, that we live in just because people aren't getting tools to deal with their energetic body when they're going to school, right? It's not a normal thing. Right, man. I'm curious, who was Brandon in high school? Like, we, we know where you're at now, um, you know, mental fitness, checking in on yourself. We know where you're at now. Who was Brandon in high school? What did he want to do back then? What was his dream? Yeah, dude, when I was in high school, probably the most important thing for me was playing football. Okay. Uh, I was a football player and I think like I was mostly in survival mode, you know, like my biggest like core wound that hadn't been resolved was there. So I was extremely insecure, um, you know, was decent in school, but wasn't engaged, wasn't excited about what I did. You know, every day going to school was like, like I had a friend group. I was like, you know, well-liked, but there wasn't any juice. Like my favorite part of the day was, you know, football or if I had some PE class, that was my favorite part because that was like play mm -hmm. and everything else for the most part. It was just, yeah, it's just going through the motions. What was that core wound, if you don't mind talking about it? Sure. Yeah. Um, it was just an experience I had with my, my older brother when I was like six or seven years old. Um, my brother has Down syndrome. And so he was a little bit older. He was like 12, 13 at the time. And um, yeah, we would just like get naked and wrestle around together, like exploring that sexuality at that age. And for a long time, I held a lot of shame around that, yeah. around just that experience and not knowing how to compartmentalizing it and, you know, having no perspective on it too. Um, of course, it doesn't really matter other people's experiences, but just learning that like most people have something like that that happens with a family member or something like that when they're growing up just kind of like helps me help me zoom out a little bit. And then it was just like going back and dealing with the event and like all the programming I put around it around like the shame I should feel the guilt, whatever it was, and just processing that energy. So now it's kind of benign. Mm -hmm. So now it's just like, oh, yeah, it's whatever. It's just an yeah. happened. Um, but yeah, I didn't have any of the tools to do that back then. So I was operating from a place of like being ashamed of myself, embarrassed to be in my own skin. Um, you know, that translated into not having a lot of courage with, with women or just my own ability to, to have a voice, you know, like I, I didn't have my voice. I wasn't speaking my truth. Yeah, man. First and foremost, I appreciate the vulnerability and you willing willingly sharing that on the show uh i think a lot of people can resonate with that right like at such a young i know i can at such a young age you're just so so curious right and there's nothing i actually talked about this in therapy i, I want to say five months ago six months ago where it was just like there's so many things i did as a kid that are so questionable as adults and also because they were pretty much reprimanded by adults like mm -hmm. hey that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong you know, so I, I appreciate that, man. I think a lot of people can resonate with that. But um, what was the period of time? Uh, you said that happened when you were like six, seven years old. When did you actually start to explore the healing aspect of that? Yeah, I feel like it started to come to the surface once I started to go down a path of like learning about meditation and, and energy and things like that. And so that was probably 
started to get into that around like 18, no, probably 19 years old, 18, 19, somewhere in there. And um, I would say actually that didn't come fully to the surface. It was still suppressed. I couldn't quite get there yet. Sure. Um, and so it was probably like, that was like maybe starting to open up into that world. And then I would say like around like 23, 24, I was just working with random people learning different modalities. I've always been curious about things and then just stumbling upon it, like going down, down, down into my own stuff and then having that come up. And what was interesting is like some people who, who I'd worked with, um, like I feel like maybe at the time they didn't really know how to process something like that. And so they're trying to like use it, play with it in a role of dualities of like, oh no, this is fine you know, and like give it more of an association. Um, and it wasn't until I worked with um, a really good buddy of mine just this past year where I realized that there was more energy there that hadn't been fully resolved. So I'm, I'm 31 now. So this was like when I was 30 years old where we went back in and we just made it benign. We made it, we took away. It wasn't good or bad. It was just like the energies pulled out of it. It just was. So, you know, obviously a good amount of work there um, over many years, but just because it was like trial and error for me, you know, and, and learning how to, to process these things and be like, oh, why is this, where's this resistance coming from and gaining, gaining, greater, gaining greater and greater awareness over that because this work I'm talking about, this energetic work, it really can be broken down scientifically and it's just a skill like anything else, you know, so when you're new at a skill, you're not that good at it. And so it took me years and working with different people, learning different modalities to be like, oh, no, that's how we process that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. I respect that. Now I'm curious, what was it? I know you said that you were curious, but mm -hmm. what was it specifically, if anything at all, that brought you down the path of exploring meditation and things of that nature? Yeah. So I wanted to play college football. I was playing at a small D3 school in Los Angeles. And my first year, I just rode the bench. I was like, this isn't fun. I don't want to go to practice and work out, do all these things and not play. Like the whole point is playing. So um, that winter uh, I went back and I connected with um, my bro who I call Sensei Clay and he's back in my hometown in Oregon. And he began to talk to me more about like nutrition and that kind of like spiraled into, Hey bro, there's also this energy training you can learn to do as well that you can utilize energy to become more powerful so I was a defensive end so I was like learning to conjure energy through my root and crown chakra through this technique he calls the the iron shield and be able to use that energy the super scion and be able to knock someone backwards mm -hmm. and so those are some of my big aha moments because then I went back you know he taught me that and then I learned he taught me different how to shift my brain waves and use that for visualization to improve strength performance and all that stuff is you know you could open up um any peer-reviewed um, journal, and you'll find lots of articles talking about all the time how people use visualization to improve strength performance. Bicep studies have been done. Uh, mine, I went on and did in college, was on the bench press. But so I just got this aha moment. I was like, wait a minute. So I can get stronger. I can become more powerful. I can become more focused. There's some juice here. And so I went back my, my sophomore year in college, and I started, and I led the team in tackles for a couple of games, which isn't you know something that defensive ends do very very often and just kind of prove to myself like oh there's something here there's some juice like no one else on my team is tapping into this I am and 
Funny enough, I was also, they called me, the athletic trainer called me the guru because the same energy I was using to, you know, knock someone down, I was using to heal people as well. So like all my teammates are coming to me and I was like basically putting healing energy into their wounds and it was taking their pain away. So, you, you know, completely subjective thing. I don't know how you measure that, but they said I took their pain away. So people would just come to me before games and I would do that. And that just opened up my mind and I was kind of, I've been going down that path ever since because I'm like, well, if there's magic in the universe, like I want to learn to like conjure and work with this magic. I love that, man. So talk to me about what you are doing now and let's, let's kick that conversation off from there in regards to the mental fitness and things of that nature. Sure, man. Yeah. I split my time in, in, in two ways right now. Um, on my journey, I, I also happen to start a, a company with my buddy where we teach jump rope fitness. Yep. And, uh, and so Part of my energy now is going into folks in that community. And so I I put a lot of my my personal energy more into like the, the business side of that business and like helping grow the business and being more in an executive role. And also we were doing group coaching. And so the stuff we're talking about, like I do this with people in that community as well. And so that business has been great because it's given me a lot of stability. Um, the community is over. We have over a million subscribers now, over a hundred million views. Uh, and so basically I built that business with my buddy to give me a stability to go play in this other world that I enjoy, which you mentioned the, the mental fitness is, is what I've called it um, most recently. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are playing in this world now, like it's becoming more mainstream, like the Joe Dispenses of the world, um, you know, the, the Bruce Lipton's like those types of people are utilizing these modalities to try to heal people or improve performance. And so that's what I do with a lot of my time now is I work with one-on-one -on -one clients and, um, you know, a lot of high performers and I work with them to basically say, Hey, you can have whatever you want. Let's discover the resistance that's inside you that's holding you back from it. And let's transmute the energy to push you towards what you want. So it feels more like once you get in alignment energetically with what you want, um, it's inevitable for you to get there and to have it. And, and so that's a lot of the work that I do with my, my one-on-one -on -one clients. I love that, man. So talk to me about, let's bring this to the, the practical table here. What can someone do that's listening to this to mentally train or prepare for, let's say, a date or a business meeting or mm -hmm. uh, an interview per se? Yeah. So the first step is just the, the willingness just to experience what it's like to be them, right? To be able to, willing to just close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, drop out of their head into their body. And right. And that's not easy for most people. Like this is a big stretch. Most people want to solve all their problems with their head. And so um, the head is a conscious mind can only process around six to 40 bits of information per second. So we just have to understand rationally, it's not a very efficient way to try to solve your problems. We want to go to the subconscious, that over 40 million processing power per second um, supercomputer. And that's available in your body. And so when you tap in there and you can go into your body, they can check in. You go, okay, I'm going on a date. Whew, okay, how do I feel right now? Oh, I feel, I'm feeling really nervous, really. Actually, there's some anxiety there. Okay, well, where does anxiety live? It could live anywhere in my body. Where would it be? And for most people, it lives in, you know, that third chakra. So right under the solar plexus where they feel it. And so it's a willingness to go in there and really try to put their, their will, their, their conscious energy into that energy. 
and then literally like falling down into it. Imagine that it's like a pit that you could fall into and keep falling, allow themselves to keep falling until something comes up. And it might be a past memory that needs to be resolved, a trauma that they had that's making them feel anxious now, or it might just be, you know, ask themselves, okay, well, why do I feel anxious? And then feeling into that belly there where, you know, where the anxiety oftentimes lives and then asking yourself, okay, well, what am I believing to be true right now that would make me feel so anxious? Mm. And just sitting in that space, just allowing for whatever to come up to come up, not judging it, not saying it's right or wrong, just it's got to surpass, it's got to supersede this, the conscious mind of, no, 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 I don't want to think that. No, it's okay. Allow it to come, allow it to come. Oh, I believe no girl wants to be with me because I'm too fat. Oh, shit. Well, that's really going to disrupt my ability to enjoy this date and show up and be confident and, and to have a good time. So it's like accepting that, right? Okay, I accept that even though this isn't rational, I would never tell anyone this. Right now, I believe that no girl wants to be with me because I'm too fat, right? This is completely a random one, but it's simple. So let's go with it. So we accept that. Whew, okay, this is what I'm living with right now. And that's where my part of my anxiety at least comes from. And then we have to surrender. We have to say, you know what? I've lived my whole life, maybe having this somewhere deep down inside of me. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to exhale and say, okay, I can't go back and change any of that. But it's always now. So if I surrender and I cut the thread of the past and I allow myself to arrive here in the present moment, here I am, how do I transmute this into something that would make me feel the opposite of anxious? So if right now I believe that I feel anxious because no girl is going to want me because they believe I'm, I'm too fat, then I'm going to believe that the perfect woman is going to want me for exactly who I am. Ooh, and letting that energy settle, right? And just being with that and feeling that even resistance might come up because the subconscious goes, no, I want to stay in homeostasis. I don't want to change. This has protected us. It's kept us safe. We're going to keep believing this. And you surrender it again and you accept it and say, okay, here's my new belief. I'm going to transmute it. And a modality that I often give people is, you know, if there's a number of these beliefs that come up, you can record your voice speaking out loud, I believe that the perfect woman is going to want me for exactly who I am or how I am or whatever it is, right? And you record that and you listen to it every morning when you're waking up and every night when you go to sleep, because that puts you in that alpha state where your conscious mind is using beta. So it's your brainwaves that drop and you can actually accept in new beliefs through repetition. And beliefs are essentially the code of our subconscious mind which runs our whole life. So we're kind of recoding what's going to make us feel good or bad when we put ourselves in a given situation going forward. And so that audio is really helpful with it, but also just the, the ego death of taking one of your biggest vulnerabilities and just accepting it's true and not trying to rationalize and fight it, but accepting it, surrendering that you can never change anything that happened in the past and then transmuting it, literally just flipping it into the opposite and sitting in that new belief um that's all part of the process now of course this is you know some deep stuff and it's probably not just that one belief right there's probably a number of them and so really what we have to understand is holistically we're living on these inner planets and these inner planets 
are full of all these subconscious beliefs and some inner, some subconscious beliefs serve you. So we can imagine them as like beautiful, lush trees growing in wonderful rivers that you'd like to live on your inner planet. And then these other beliefs that are probably irrational or just like make you feel bad for no reason, just because it's programmed into you because you pick that up during your early stages or through repeated events of someone calling you fat when you're a teenager or whatever it was, right? Um, you have to understand that I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, dude. Take me back. Yeah, listen, first and foremost, Oh yeah, sorry. Let me finish that one part. So your inner plenty, you have to remember that that all those shitty beliefs, that's just trash. It's like dumping trash in your inner planet. And so so it's just it's just awareness, constant awareness. If I live in this inner planet, like what do I want it to be like? Right. Start picking up the trash if you want to feel good all the time in the present moment. Right, man. I love that. Now I'm curious from your experience, from your clients' experiences. Those thoughts, such as we'll stay with that example, I'm too fat or whatever the case is, you know, that could be with someone for a long time. So from your experience and or your clients, how long do you actually see or how long have they actually seen the results to kind of come to fruition in regards to changing that? Sometimes it happens like this in a session. It can happen in a session. Um, uh, other times people need more of that repetition. And so maybe they listen, you know, they go through that process repeating this new belief and then they use the audio to basically supplant it into the subconscious. And I would say no more than like listening to that audio for like a month, probably less than that. If you listen to it daily, um, because the subconscious is, you know, it just learns through repetition. Sure. And it learns when you can actually get to it, which is why we do it when you're in that, kind of like half awake, half asleep um, state of being when you're first waking up or when you're drifting off to sleep. I respect that. Now I'm curious, why does the subconscious even begin to work against us? Is it because of societal demands or societal views or something that was said to us? Is it all of that? Yeah. So the subconscious is just a product of our programming during our most like primordial programming time of our life and so from zero to three years old we're in delta brain waves mostly of course any neuroscientists tell you we're always in all the brain waves all the time okay that's true and also they'd also tell you that the majority of your brain waves are in delta from zero to three and delta does like this it is the slowest brain wave which means it's the equivalent of hypnosis so if someone goes into hypnosis they're in delta brain waves and so the slower the brain wave the deeper and easier it is to access the subconscious and supplant different beliefs or systems of being. So just starting there at zero to three, it's like, well, what did you witness your parents or your community, your inner tribe that you grew up around, the people around you, what were they doing? What did they believe? How did they show up in the world? We are, we're, um, you know, humans are, are animals that are, are built to survive first and foremost. So how do you survive in a tribal setting? Will you take on the beliefs, the customs, the way of being of, of your inner tribe, the people around you. So if your parents or siblings or cousins or uncles or friends or people on your block had a bunch of shit they hadn't dealt with that was making them feel bad all the time on the subconscious level, and that wasn't processed, like they're not to blame. It's literally like no one taught them how to do it. So you at zero to three years old, you're just downloading it all. You know, you're like, this is how we are, right? And then as you go later in childhood, from like three to seven, you're getting into 
you know, the zero to seven is like the first stage of childhood, the first learning stage of childhood. So zero to seven is where you get most of your programming. So from three to seven, you're getting more, the brainwaves are getting faster, but they're still relatively slow compared to our conscious waking state as adults, which is beta. Um, and so you're in theta brainwaves, you're in alpha a little bit, and even throughout your childhood, you know, you, you do have more access to that dream world, if you will, that subconscious than you do. You know, that's why young kids are so good at, at playing and imagination and having imaginary friends and all that, because they're able to kind of drop into that state of the imaginary possibilities. And so we get a lot of it from that early childhood experience, just who's around us. And then we also, the subconscious learns through repeated events, right? So let's say a woman gets cheated on by a guy when she's 16, and then when she's 18, and then when she's 19, and then when she's 21, by the time she's 22, she's going to believe all men are cheaters mm. just because she's been cheated on so much time, so many times. And so the rational mind will go, well, that's true. I have all the evidence here to support that, but that doesn't change the fact that even though that you experience these results, if you don't want to keep being cheated on, you're going to have to change that subconscious programming, even though it conflicts with what your rational mind believes to be true and believes it has evidence to represent because your belief systems, as we know, you know, that's why people can believe in a thousand different religions and everyone believes they're right is because it has nothing to do with what's rational or what's, I don't know, true. It has to do with what you believe to be true. Right. Now I'm curious as if I know you're a father, what have you done with your little one based off your experiences and knowledge here? Is there anything uh, that you've done specifically to tap into those Delta waves or anything of that nature? Yeah, well, my daughter is only eight months old. So at this point, she's just observing and downloading, right? And so I think there's a, a study I was looking at recently that talked about how it's been proven, like it, has, it doesn't really matter what you say to your kids, it matters what you do. Like, they're just going to look at you. So you could be like, hey, don't eat candy. And then like, they see you eating Doritos and donuts all the time. <laughs> they're going to be like, this is what we do, right. you know? And so first and foremost, I just try to lead with my actions. Like, how is my energy? How am I showing up? How am I treating my wife? How does she see me engage with the world, you know? And, and how do I operate? It's just like my way of being. And that way of being has an aura, energetic aura that comes off it that she gets absorbed in being around me. So at this stage of life, you know, it's just that constant affirmation of like, you're loved, you're cared for, you're safe. Right. Um, and then just trying to be it myself. And then as she gets older, of course, I'll teach her all these fun tools to understand. And, you know, the goal is to be as bulletproof as possible. Um, because when you, when you learn how to handle all your wounds, then there's, there's no buttons for people to push, right? The most reactive people are people who just haven't dealt with like their deepest wounds. And so you push those buttons all day, you know, you'd be like, oh, let me just talk about this. Cause I know it's, you know, whether it's politics or whatever their diet that they prefer, like you can push those buttons all day and people are going to get inflamed. They're going to react. And so the goal is just empower her. So she doesn't have buttons for people to push and she can be the observer and just sit back and um, just choose what's best for her instead of running everything through this filter of oh, what are other people going to think about me. Mm, I love that. Now, what's a question you wish more people would ask you? I'm sure you've done podcasts before. I'm sure. I mean, you have clients left and right. You have a community. What's a question you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer it? 
Hmm. I don't know what just came up for me was like, why aren't you out there in the world speaking this truth more, you know? Um, and maybe that's just like a question I have for myself. Cause I just checked in there. I didn't want to go to my head. I wanted to go to my body and that's just kind of what came up for me. Um, yeah. You want me to answer that question? Yeah, man, go ahead. Answer it. Let's go. Yeah. Well, here's what I've discovered, man. Like, like I said, I built this big following on in the fitness space because like, it's very accepted that like, if you not like, but if you exercise and eat the right amount of food, you're going to lose weight. So when we speak that language in the fitness community, it's accepted and it's people are like, yeah, I get it. And they opt into it versus the stuff we're talking about. It's almost like you need a certain specific container to share this information. And of course, a one-on-one setting is like the best container I've found to share this information because it feels as if when I just share it, whether in like a YouTube video or something like that, it kind of falls on deaf ears because I'm not meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that I'm actually like relaunching. I know you found like a mental fitness brand, but like what I've found is like people just aren't there with me yet. They're not like mental fitness. It's just not quite there yet. So I'm actually in the process of, of rebranding that and trying to bring it to people and meeting them more where they are in a space that is more digestible and people can sink their teeth into more because I have a lot of friends who work in the space as well. And although we all know, like, this is what actually drives all our behavior. This is what makes you stick with your diet or your workouts or make more money or have a better relationship. Um, it's just not known. So, you know, the thing about beliefs are whatever you believe to be true, you'll delete, distort, or generalize information that doesn't agree with your beliefs. So, if I'm going to tell someone, Hey, if you want to do all these, get all these great results, it's about aligning your beliefs. And here's how you do it. If people don't believe that's the way to do it, they'll just delete it or distort it. Mm. And I, I see it, you know, all the time, whenever I try to teach this stuff, just to group like a greater community, you don't have more context. It just kind of falls on deaf ears. And so it's like this precious medicine that um, I'm working to create the right containers around giving. Now, that makes you- sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I'm curious, do you feel like the one-on-one connections for that type of material is better because you can kind of zone in on what that person's experiences are versus, you know, on YouTube, you don't even know who you're really, you're, you're really getting at because it's so wide? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, specific with the one-on-one because then I'm like, Cause then I can become no one, you know, I can really let my ego go during that session and just kind of be a mirror for the person. Um, but you know, it's impossible to do that on YouTube. Yeah, dude. It's, it's not easy, man. I respect that. I, and I respect what you've been able to build regardless. Um, it's, it's incredible, incredible stuff. Um, so that's a question you wish more people would ask you. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a tough question, but I love how you went about making or searching for that inside of you um what's your advice in regards to someone that needs to make a difficult decision how can they how can they find the answer within them Mm, it's a great question i don't know if it would happen overnight but you have to build this relationship with yourself and your intuition that taps into 
so you can get to the, the deep, deep down what you really desire. Um, but I would just start by saying something I mentioned earlier in this podcast, which is just coming to this um, realization that what's good for you is good for everyone else. Now, this does not apply to sociopaths or psychopaths. Okay, so if you're a sociopath or psychopath, don't take this advice. <laughs> but if you're a normal person, um, especially with high achievers, I find that like they do so much to try to appease other people or to hit these imaginary milestones. And so the decisions, when they go in, all the hard decision to make, it's being made from that place of like, how do I basically check all these boxes that have sometimes little or nothing to do with what's best for them. And so it's just sitting in that space, closing your eyes and being like, is this best for me? And, and not, you know, it takes courage to go, well, everyone would tell me rationally that I should marry this person. Mm. It's a perfect person to marry, but there's something inside of me that just doesn't feel aligned. And so it's, it's exploring that. And it's not just going, okay, well, it doesn't feel right. So I'm not going to do it. Instead, it's going inside and being like, well, what doesn't feel right? Where's the resistance? Because sometimes it's just, oh, because I have a belief that if I open up to someone fully, they're going to leave me. Mm. right and then we don't want to leave not get married for that reason because you haven't dealt with with those beliefs so you have to go in and be like what is the resistance i feel inside of me and kind of deal with all that resistance till you get to a place where you feel like you're kind of like a clean vessel when you ask that question you feel into it do i want to marry this person and it just comes yes like the answer should just come up Mm. right it should just be very obvious and it takes a lot of courage to do this work because sometimes you don't like the answer that comes up. But what I've learned is like, if you don't listen to that answer, that truth, it'll come back and bite you. Right. How has this work impacted your relationship? I mean, so much, so much. Uh, Because the thing is like a lot of people, especially like, like my wife is from Medellin, Colombia, and I lived there for a few years and that's where we met. And so coming back to the U S and living here, Um, there's a lot of cultural differences there's a lot of different ways of being ways of seeing the world and so I think like old me would be trying to fix my partner and be like oh well you know you should look at things this way or be this way and what I've discovered is by doing this work and healing my own stuff um, I don't have to do anything right I don't I don't have to do anything for other people I just do it for myself and either people align with your where your energy is at or they just get rebuffed they get pushed away they're either going to come up and meet you where you are or they're going to disappear and so it does take some courage to go there but um it's ultimately in your best interest to to deal with your shit and so like a very practical example would be i'm sure guys have all experienced more where their like girlfriend or the wife is like complaining about i have a headache or my stomach hurts or whatever you know little aches and pains like women talk about that stuff more in my experience. And, uh, and so I, (laughs) I said in everyone's experience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And so I realized I used to hold a belief that I needed, uh, her to feel good essentially for, for me to feel, or no, I was responsible for her feeling good. So every time that she would feel bad, whether it's a headache or stomach ache, I would start to feel bad because I had a belief that I need to make sure that she was feeling good. So when I transmuted that to I'm only responsible for how I feel personally, 
whoo, what a relief. And it takes so much energy out of that issue because it's like, oh, you're having this issue. Well, if I have like an aspirin, like I'll give it to you, but I'm not going to sit here and suffer because you're suffering. Right. And so many people try to do that. I think that's people do this with like parents or all types of people, relationships where they're like, oh, this person's suffering. I'm going to go suffer with them because I believe I need to, if they're suffering, I have to suffer too. Right. So that's like a practical example for my relationship, which to make things flow a lot better. And then also I just get clear on what I want from the relationship. And then I go through all the resistance inside of me that says like, no, no, you can't have this. Other people don't have this in relationships. You can't have this. And I, I transmute all those beliefs that don't align with, with this thing, this new thing that I want until I get there. So I've created my dream relationship not by fixing my partner or doing anything to her by just doing it, all the work of myself. Yeah, dude, I, I really respect that. In fact, I was actually in a very similar relationship um, in, in the sense where I started doing the work on myself. Um, very much so needed to do it. I was 27 last year, 27, uh, just had so much suppressed experiences, arrested, kicked out of college, kicked out of high school, like all of these things, dude, a lot added up. And um, the woman I was with at the time didn't want to take my influence of me doing that work and do it on herself. And that, you know, eventually had a split because she just wasn't matching. Um, and I really respect that because I've realized over the course of time, number one, you can't force anyone to make the changes, right? You know, if, they, if they're not willing, which is a word you used before, very powerful word, to be honest, if they're not willing mm -hmm. to actually do the work, you know, no one can force them to do it. Um, and one thing that I had to learn, and I like to amplify this to the audience is like, you can't expect people to change for you, they have to want to change for themselves as well. And I think us as men, we, um, you know, there's that book, um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I'm not sure if you ever read that. I haven't, but I, I pretty much know the context of it. You know, men like to, to fix things, you know, men, men uh, in particular love to, you know, get challenged in that sense. So it's really interesting hearing you say this, which is why I resonated with a, like a super high level. I appreciate that share, man. But um, I know you got to go in a couple. I got to let you go. Two more questions for you. Number one, what is the piece of advice that Brandon was given that he didn't want to hear, but proved to be true over time? Hmm. I don't know. I would say probably just like the affirmation of like really whatever I want to create, I can. Hmm. I'm sure I've heard that at earlier age. And then now I actually understand the, the mechanics of how that works. Right. So if anything, I, I would say that, but it's not very specific. It's just like, I'm sure I was told by like um, my father, like a mentor at some point, like you can do anything. And then, you know, all my limiting beliefs basically were like, no, I can't. Right. And then now I get the mechanics. I'm like, oh, yes, I can. <laughs> so I, I think that's the first time I've ever asked that question. And heard that type of response typically it's like someone receives like not necessarily a negative piece of advice but they receive a piece of advice that's more so like that's a positive piece of advice that you were given that you didn't believe but it, it proved to be true mm -hmm. that's what i'm trying to get at. that's the first time we've ever got it in that context so i appreciate that um but last question for you 
You've given us a ton of advice over the course of this show. We've been running for, that was a synchronicity. I don't know if you saw that. It's at 4444. At that moment, we were running for 4444. You've given a lot of advice over the course of this episode. I'm curious if you could only give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, whether that's hopping on podcasts, more YouTube content, more working with clients, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, yeah. Your beliefs create your reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just that in itself is a whole world that you can explore. Like if anyone, you know, listen to this podcast and it resonated with them and they're like, I think there's some juice with what, with what this guy is saying, like explore that all the way. Right. Your belief create your reality because I just see it play out all the time for myself and my clients. Like when I shift my beliefs, the impossible becomes possible. Mm, I love that, man. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to have all of your socials, websites, YouTubes, all that good stuff in the show notes of this episode. Do you have anything else going on, though, that you want to make people aware of, maybe that we haven't talked about? Um, nothing in particular besides, um, you know, if people are interested in, in diving in and doing this work with me, they can reach out to me via email and we have that discussion. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Where do you hang out most on social? Is it Instagram, Twitter? <sighs> You know me, I've been off Instagram for a couple months now. Um, I think the best way to get a hold of me now is just via email. Okay, dope. And that's on your website. So I'll make sure people can find you there, man. Brandon, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for rocking with us today. Appreciate all the value you delivered here and uh, looking forward to amplifying this. My pleasure, bro. Thank you for having me and giving me the platform. And there you have it, episode number 206 with our friend Brandon Epstein. As mentioned earlier in this episode, we said that we were going to put out a request to the people that are tuned into this right now. And that request is actually to bring more value to you and to the people around you. We're going to ask you to share this, whether it be on social, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, however you want to share it, in your group chats, emails, word of mouth, however... But we're just not asking you to share it. We're asking you to show us that you shared it so that we can reward you. We can add more value to your life, whether that means we're going to send you a coffee, Dunkin', Starbucks, shout out to them. There's no plug. We have no partnership with them. A gift card, a t-shirt, something. We just want to be of value to you, symbiotic relationships. So you're still listening to this episode. If you found it to be of value, share it, leave a rating and review, connect with Brandon in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.